Soon we even began laughing together. After about six months, I realized something. I was falling in love with Jean again, which was a little scary. Truthfully, it was very scary. What if he hurt us again? He was sober now, but what if he used again? Could I fully trust him again? I didn't have the answers to any of these questions. Then one day, Jean told me he still loved me. We agreed to try dating, but we didn't tell anyone, especially Kim and Scott. It was top secret. That way, if it didn't work out, Kim and Scott wouldn't be disappointed. So we were a secret couple. We would usually meet at a restaurant somewhere outside of White Plains and spend time getting to know each other again. We had both changed since the last time we dated. Back then, I was young, still living at home, believing in the fairy tale. Now, I was mature and confident, able to handle almost anything. Gene was still funny and kind, and I could see that he was becoming more mature. On top of that, now he was sober. We were both better versions of ourselves. After about six months of our clandestine relationship, we knew that we wanted to get married again, but didn't know how to tell our kids, our family, or our friends. I called my pastor and asked him for guidance. He recommended a family counselor. So the four of us attended family counseling for approximately six months. Some issues concerned the kids, so they would join us at those sessions. Other issues pertain to only Jean and me, so we would go without the kids. We were working very hard at repairing our family. Jean started attending church with us on Sunday mornings. It was important to me, and I wanted him to be as involved with us as a family. Our minister, Don, asked us to be youth leaders for the church. We held this position for five years, which only brought us closer. Initially, we were going to remarry on our original wedding day, April 14th. After realizing that the Titanic sank and Lincoln got shot on that day and our first marriage was so troubled, we decided on a new date. One of my daycare clients had a condo in Vermont and offered it to us for Columbus Day weekend. I remember calling our minister the Tuesday before and telling him that we wanted to remarry. I asked if he could perform the ceremony that week. He said Thursday would be fine and his wife Donna, along with the associate pastor, could be our two witnesses. So instead of waiting until April, Jean and I eloped with the kids on Thursday, October 12, 2000. We were married in the chapel at our church. Don, our minister, gave a beautiful talk about second chances. And after the ceremony, we all went to dinner to celebrate. Later that night, we went to Eileen's home to tell her and the kids the news. We then called Barbara and Grace to tell them as well. They were all happy for us. <laughs> now I had to tell my parents, not an easy call to make. Nervously, I dialed. My mother answered. I simply told her that Jean and I had gotten married again. First, there was silence. Then she offered her congratulations, as did my father. After I hung up, I felt relieved. We were married again. We were a family again. The next morning, we drove to Vermont, the four of us on a honeymoon, and we were so happy. Yes, we were, and what a testament to miracles. Absolutely, and we, second chances. And second chances, indeed. Nobody ever would have thought that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you mentioned the calamities of uh, Lincoln being shot and the Titanic Thank going you. down yep. right to the bottom of the ocean. That's right. On April 14th. 
You forgot to mention the first shots of the Civil War were also fired. I know, we didn't realize that until after we wrote Fort the book. Fort Sumter. That's right. All right, so stay away from April 14th, everybody. <laughs> hey, but uh, all kidding aside, that was such a special wedding. And the greatest part about it, I got to have my son as my best man. I know, and, and my daughter was my maid of honor. Exactly. How many kids can say that they went on their parents' honeymoon? Hardly any. I know. It was such a perfect. It, it was. was perfect. I think our families were surprised, but they were very happy for us. Yeah, and to their credit, my parents did offer their congratulations. Whatever their objections may have been, they were gracious. Yeah, they were really great that uh, after the second wedding. Yeah. But looking back, you know, I came back from California in February of 99. Yeah. And then we got married in October of 2000. So there really wasn't a lot of time in between. Well, it was about a year and a half, and a lot of that time was spent in counseling, and we did a lot of work. Yeah, part of that work involved making sure the kids were okay. Well, it would have been disastrous to build up their hopes of a reunited family only to let them down. You know, I remember one session in particular. Oh, I know which one you're <laughs> going to talk about. With the counselor, we were talking about some issue that we resolved, and I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember it either. That's not the important part. Nope. What I do remember was after I told her how we got through this particular incident, yeah. she told me how impressed she was and how I handled it. She sure did. And, and what else did she say? To say, you know what, Gene? You're a prince. A prince. A prince. Yep, yep. I think that was our last session. Oh, I'm sure it was our last session. <laughs> the prince comment seemed to rub you the wrong way. Yeah, it did. Hadn't she been listening to our story? I mean, the prince. If anything, I'm the queen. Oh, you're a queen, too. Come on. <laughs> hey, by the time we were dating again and testing the waters and beginning to think about a future again. That's right. But the first six months of dating, it was a secret nobody knew but do you remember where we used to meet we used to meet at california pizza kitchen i love that place we tried every pizza they had and dessert and dessert that's right you know i went to new york the last time i was up there it's gone oh that's true. yeah i think it closed during covid i did love that it was a popular restaurant everybody liked that that was our place but i think you did tell one person i did because i was bursting so i called up a close friend and i told her I think I'm a Sally Jesse Raphael episode. And she asked, which one? And I told her, sex with the ex. And she just squealed and laughed, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, there was that too. Mm -hmm. Well, the most important thing was that entire year we spent rebuilding trust. Yeah, well, my biggest fear that if we got back together, that she would bring up my past mistakes anytime that we had a disagreement. But you haven't done that, and that's never been the case. No, because forgiveness means that you move forward. And let's face it, we will never forget our past. But in a healthy relationship, past misdeeds are not a weapon. I thought forgiveness meant you never had to say you were sorry. No, that was uh, love never means having to say you're Different sorry. Different movie. Yeah. Different movie. No, we can't forget where we came from. But certainly, you have to get beyond it. Yes, absolutely. As far as your re reservations on a reconciliation, I guess they were obvious. Yep. Of course, I was afraid of you using again and all that goes with that. 
But here we are, nearly 22 years later, and so grateful we took the leap of faith. Did you find the remarriage a difficult adjustment? It had been eight years after all. No, it was a surprisingly smooth transition for all four of us. I think we all thought how lucky we were to have this second chance as a family. Yeah, no, I was lucky for sure. No, I was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the early years of our second marriage. Mm -hmm. Well, for the first time, our family settled into a normal routine of domestic life, and we were happy. We all attended church together. The kids were doing school and sports, and we were doing work. But we also were doing things as a couple besides as family. Indeed. You know, I can remember back in that time, and you know, I think I did overcompensate a little bit yeah. with coaching every single <laughs> one of Scott's teams. I guess I was trying to make up for lost time. Absolutely, that's understandable, but I know he was happy with he it. He was happy with the first couple, but I think he would have preferred if I backed off a little bit. I don't know. Who knows? But at that time, our lives were actually on an even keel. And then, like all Americans, we were shocked and saddened by the attacks of September 11th. We watched in horror as the events unfolded that day on TV. You closed Chris's daycare for the day, and we picked up our kids from school. And I remember feeling so unsafe. And if we were in any danger, I wanted us all to be together. Then we got word from the church there would be a service that evening, and I remember both of our kids insisting that we go. And so we did. You know, they were scared too. Absolutely. Kids were scared. They, and they were. were. And they didn't know what was going on, just like adults did now. Right. Now, you guys had been members of the church for a couple of years already, and I was kind of a newcomer, even though we were doing the, the youth group. Mm -hmm. But after 9-11, I really felt like I was part of the congregation. I guess it was because I felt like we'd all been through something together. That's right. And anyone who lived through that time remembers how surreal it was. Everyone had an urgency to help, just to do their part to make things a little better. I know we organized a car wash with our youth group at church to raise money. People flew the American flag at their homes and on their cars. And everyone seemed to be more patient and just a little kinder to each other. And even though the world outside our front door seemed to be turned upside down, we still had a family to manage. And at this time, our daughter Kim's in high school, and Scott's in middle school, and he's struggling academically. Now, our two kids had a lot in common. Both had a bunch of friends and were active in after-school programs. But boy, did they approach their studies in a different way. They sure did. While we had to keep an eye on Scott's work every second, it seemed, Kim was the opposite in that she got everything done on her own. We had so much contact with Scott's teachers and administrators, we felt like we owed them a Christmas card at the holidays. With Kim, we probably wouldn't know them if we walked by them in the street. I know that. Seems terrible to oh, it say. It does right now, but it's true. It's kind of true. I guess we knew them a little bit. A little bit. But with Scott, there were underlying issues that we knew about. Yeah, as a toddler, he began to receive speech therapy, and he was later diagnosed with a language-based disability. Poor fine motor skills, as well as short-term memory loss. There was a lot going on, but he never wanted to acknowledge any of his weaknesses. He would never ask for help. 
So he resorted to being the class clown, which diverted attention from his academic challenges. As much as his studies came with difficulties, he had no such problems in his social life. He was the life of every party, and people were just naturally drawn to him. Yeah, his fourth grade teacher summed it up best. I remember he said, I wish I was Scott's friend because he's so much fun. It's just so hard to be his teacher. Mr. Russo. I know, sweet man. <laughs> we tried everything. We had tutors, homework help, extra time for tests. We even sent him to a private school out of state for sophomore year. Yeah, but the private school I don't think was the best move. No, but he did make some great friends there. He makes friends everywhere he goes, and that was no exception. Yeah. But he ultimately returned home and went back to our local high school where he played varsity baseball and had a part-time job. He was a pretty happy guy. He was. But let me point out here that he did enough to get by. He never failed a class. He never had to go to summer school. But we felt he was capable of so much more. You know, but it did seem he led a charmed life when he was in high school. And even throughout, it always kind of right. worked. But why don't you give an example? Okay, quick one. Scott tried out for the freshman football team. And he never played organized football ever because I was always afraid of concussions. But he talked you into it this time. He did. So he goes out for the team and he gets to the first team meeting. But pretty much all the positions were set, quarterback included. But the coach asked the new kids who had never played before where they'd like to play. So Scott raises his hands and says that he'd like to be the backup quarterback. And the coach says, okay, you can back up Sam. A couple of practices later, Sam breaks his wrist, Scott's a starting quarterback. Things like that seem to happen for him all the time. All the time. And also, I remember him and his friends in the car with me in high school, and they were talking about the superlatives, like most likely to this, most likely to that. And they all said that they thought Scott would win, most likely to win lotto. You think if you won the lotto, he would have shared it with us? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So. He might have thrown us a ball. Yeah, maybe. But you had a big event in your life later in uh, Scott's high school years. And by that time, Kim was away at college. I think Scott was a senior. Yeah, I did. After 20 years of Chris's kids' family daycare, it was time to close down the business. For several years, I had had a lot of back pain, which was at times debilitating. And it was determined that I needed spinal fusion surgery, and that requires a six-month recovery. You know, it's no surprise your back issues showed up, and they were a product of constantly having a kid on your hip from the business. Sometimes two. Pushing the double stroller up a hill, yeah. and the 30 steps in front of the house didn't help at all. It was really time for you to take care of yourself. Yeah, it was a hard decision to close the business. I didn't want to, but I had to. And I was also nervous about losing the income and the identity I had developed. I would no longer be Chris's kids. And of course, there's the fear of the unknown. What would I do next? Yeah, it was 20 years. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I've gone from the guy who not that long ago hadn't been, even been paying child support to being the sole source of income for the entire family. That's right. I was concerned about that as well because I was always the one who managed the finances and now I wouldn't be. It had to take me being flat on my back to relinquish control. But it worked out. You did handle yeah, it. Did. 
I was glad to take that responsibility off your plate. Me too. Do you remember the first night after my surgery? I remember you were on some pretty heavy-duty painkillers. Oh, man, I really was. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I had to go to the bathroom. This was the first night you came home. From the hospital. Yeah, and I was sleeping on the couch so I wouldn't jostle you. That's right. But when I woke up, I couldn't remember your name. I didn't know who to call to help me. I knew whoever it was must really like me, and I must really like them. You should have just yelled out Prince. Yeah. <laughs> but, because nobody's going nobody's gonna to help you when you go to the bathroom. No. Then I remembered calling Oprah. 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 She calls Oprah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Oprah didn't show up, but you did get me. I got you, babe. So here we are at the end of another episode. Yeah. Let's sum it all up. All right. It is June 2007. I'm recovered from a successful surgery. Kim has finished her third year at Villanova University, and Scott has graduated from high school and had been accepted at New York State University at Delhi, where he would attend in the fall. Life was good, not a cloud on the horizon. Little did we know the toughest challenge we would ever face was right around the corner. And we'll talk about that when we come back next time for episode time. 9. That's right. So let's do a little housekeeping. Chris, show us one more time the book and where we can get it. That's right. Live, Laugh, Fly is available on Amazon. And 100% of proceeds will benefit children's cancer programs. And of course, we would love to find out what you think about our podcast, anything we've talked about, or maybe you have a comment that might add to the overall dialogue and conversation. There are a couple of ways you can reach us. Of course, you can leave a message in the comments, but you can also go to our Facebook page, We're an Open Book. That's W-E apostrophe R-E, an open book. Or lastly, you can email us at remember Love never dies. And we'll leave all that information in the show notes. At, and that's at Gmail. At gmail.com. That's right. If I didn't say that correctly. So I guess that's it, sweetheart. That is it. But before we leave, you Another, always have to remember. Always have to remember. Love never dies. Love never dies. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.